You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. We have a fun special two-part episode for you this week as we prepare for this weekend's battle for the old oaken bucket between Purdue and IU. Let's start things off with some insight on the game. It's my privilege to welcome back to the podcast, a friend of the show, the president and publisher of Golden Black Illustrated, Alan Karpik. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Adam. It's uh, it's end of November, and Purdue's got a lot of fun things going on, including this Saturday's game against Indiana. So a lot going on in Purdue world, and that's, uh, it's been a fun few weeks. It has, and it's for sure. Like It's fun to be talking about a lot to play for here at the end of the month, not just the bowl berth, but bowl positioning, and uh, just – uh, again, hopefully taking back the bucket. We'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, we, you know, we talked uh, before the season, kind of previewing the season. Did you think uh, Purdue would be where they are today? Uh, you know, I, I think eight wins was more than I anticipated. I thought that it would be reasonable to think six or seven. And uh, Purdue's got a chance to get to that eighth win. They haven't gotten there yet. But uh, if they would do, that'd be the first time since 2006. But you know, as we always know in college football, what you think is going to happen isn't, that's what makes it fun. It, it doesn't end up happening that way. I didn't see uh, Purdue uh, winning it against Iowa and Michigan State, but when we talked before the season, I wasn't sure Michigan State was going to be that good. So it's just one of those things where Purdue has won some some really good road games. They've, they've proven that uh, they belong and they're relevant and back in the world of college football. And that's probably the biggest thing that uh, you can take from this season is, is that uh, that relevance factor, which is a big deal for Purdue to be, to be back on the map and be somebody that uh, people want to want to talk about. And uh, yeah. I think the Boilermakers are in that boat. That's for sure. Yeah. We talked, I think we talked uh, for the season. We, we both kind of figured six and six was realistic and probably reasonable, yeah, like you said, we didn't know we'd win at Iowa. We, I think we both thought and hoped we'd beat Minnesota at home. That didn't happen. But then again, <laughs> you go the next week and go to win at Iowa. And again, yeah, we didn't know what Michigan State was going to be like, but they go and win that game uh, Yeah, when they're third rank. So give and take there a couple with a couple of the wins. But yeah, here we are. This is exciting. You know, they have a chance to win eight games before going to a bowl. Uh, that's pretty exciting uh, for sure. And then I know, you know, I know football kind of leads and it's the big moneymaker, but wow, what a time to to be a Purdue fan right this fall with uh, volleyball top six uh, soccer was in the top 20 and advanced to the second round and got wrestling starting here now. And, and obviously basketball, we can talk for hours about, but and man, it is an exciting time to be a Purdue fan. Is it not? Right. I mean, I, I think you look at uh, Dave Shondell's team and they've uh, had to weather a couple storms as you always do in the big 10 and they're still in the hunt for a big 10 championship as I understand it. And, and uh, the, it has been fun, and there's a lot of interest in, in that program among among our readers and subscribers as well. And then you, you know, obviously Matt Painter's team. It's uh, over the, this past weekend, and the double win up at the at the Mohegan Sun, and the fact that Purdue is ranked third in the country. And who knows the way things work out, they may have a chance to to climb up that ladder and become the first Purdue men's basketball team to be ranked number one. And that would be quite an accomplishment though. I don't know if Gonzaga's Gonzaga's going to lose, but kind of like last year, but uh, again, Purdue's really relevant in that and it has a chance uh, to have a very, very special season. That's for sure. And I mean, just to be mentioned in that top three or be ranked top three. And then as I was watching ESPN yesterday, I heard one of the guys and I can't remember which one say he thought Purdue was the best team in the country. 
again, it's fun to talk about. Obviously, it matters how you're playing in March and April. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, but yeah, it is at least exciting uh, to follow and, and talk about right now as well. So, well, I want to talk about the bucket game, of course. Uh, but before we jump into that, if you're uh, willing, uh, just to kind of give our, our listeners and viewers just kind of a brief history of the bucket game and how it kind of got started. Well, as I understand it, and I'm not a, a, a absolute historian of 1920s uh, Purdue history and Indiana history, I, uh, athletic or uh, institutional history, but uh, the two schools were looking for a trophy. They, they, the Boiling Hoosiers had played many, many times uh, prior to 1925 and became a natural rival, rivalry in the first place. And I think it was the Chicago clubs for both schools, Indiana and Purdue, that put it together. Uh, that was a uh, Russell Gray from Purdue and a guy named Clarence Jones from, from Indiana. And they came up with a, a, a old oaken bucket as a potential trophy. And uh, the bucket was found, I think, down by Hanover, Indiana. It had moss all over it. Uh, was part of Morgan's Raiders, uh, supposedly, as legends would have it. Of course, the Confederate uh, group that came into Indiana in 1863. So it has a lot of history to it. And in 1925, uh, they would, at the year after Ross H Stadium was opened, the two teams played for the trophy the first time, and it was 0-0 tied. It had an IP link, and of course, the, those links have been on there ever since in terms of um, Indiana or I for Indiana wins and many more P for Purdue wins over the years. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I think it's such a, a cool trophy, not just because I'm a Purdue fan. I, just, I think it's cool because you add those I or P's after each year, and it just keeps longer and longer, and I think it's cool. Whereas some, you know, the other trophies that are interesting too, you know, it's just the trophy, but that something gets added to this one each year, I think is, is really neat. So. Yep. These teams both have had over the years, uh, football banquets are kind of a thing of the past or getting changing certainly. And that used to be a big part of a guy by the name of Pop Doan, who was a long time Purdue ticket manager. He called it the annual chore and they would have it every, uh, at the banquet when they would years that Purdue won and the time he did it, Purdue won the very vast majority of the time uh, in the 60s and 70s, especially in 50s, that um, uh, it was always a big deal to bring the uh, seniors up and have them add the, add the P to the bucket. So Indiana, I would assume, has some of the same traditions when the Hoosiers have had the opportunity to win at their banquet. But that's part of the fun of this. Mm-hmm. It is a, a good-spirited rivalry that's uh, been pretty hotly contested over the years. Yeah, for sure. In the last decade or so, it's been a little more even. And of course, the all-time series, Purdue leads 74, 42, and 6. Since the bucket started, Purdue leads 60 to 32 and 3. Um, so yes, uh, it's heavily Purdue, but like we said, the last you know 10 years or so, it's been a lot more contested with IU winning some of those. And of course, unfortunately, right now, IU has the bucket. And so we'll see what happens this year uh, when it comes back to West Lafayette, hopefully you know, Purdue being a heavy favorite, I would assume. I didn't, haven't looked at the spread yet, but uh, you think Purdue will be a favorite uh, going into this weekend to, to take it back. Right. I mean, I think uh, Purdue's a 15-point favorite. We've looked at that over the years going back to 1995. I think that spread has been that much. I think seven times we said, and I think five of those times have been Purdue favorite. Uh, the, the team has won and I believe covered every time. Not that we're getting into gambling here, but the fact that uh, these two teams uh, have um, it's a it's a pretty wide margin predicted to be so. There have been years though over the years where uh, where it's been that much, and there have been upsets. 1989 comes to hand, mine more than anything with Purdue and Indiana. 
The IU had a chance to go to a bowl game. Purdue had only two wins at the time. Uh, not a very good Purdue team at all. And Purdue upsets Indiana 15 to 14, stops Anthony Thompson from winning the Heisman Trophy, holds him under 100 yards, uh, and Purdue wins that game. So upsets can certainly happen. And, uh, you know, Indiana, as much as it has struggled, offensively and mostly offensively. They've had so many injuries and things that uh, you can't take this game for granted because uh, a bounce goes one way or the other, and all of a sudden some things change in, uh, in a big way that would allow Indiana to make it season without question. Mm-hmm. Indiana has a chance to, to have a, a put, put, a, put something nice on a, on a season that's been a very big disappointment for Coach Tom Allen and Cubs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, when we go back to our preseason uh, uh, preview, you know, we thought this game would be a toss-up because IU was ranked in the top 25, and we weren't sure what we were going to see out of Purdue this year. Obviously, Purdue's or IU's had some struggles this year and had battled some injuries. Um, so yeah, yeah, I would certainly not count IU out. <laughs> I expect Purdue to win, but IU is, I think, a little bit better at least in their record shows. Well, and, and exactly, they they you know again they've they've had to go there at their third and fourth string quarterbacks and may start, start a walk on this weekend. That's a, a factor as well. But again, this is a way game that has a way of uh, changing things and, and some crazy stuff has happened over the years, but generally the favorite gets the job done in this game. Uh, but there have been some upsets and, and there definitely been some close games that uh, Purdue fans, uh, uh, I can remember also 2003, a Purdue team that had just gotten off a huge, disappointing loss to Ohio State, the chance to go to the Rose Bowl. They lost to Ohio State in overtime, play a very poor Indiana team at the time, coached by Jerry DiNardo, and and had to struggle through the entire contest to get the win. So, again, that's, that's you know, it's the old throw the, the records out. It's not quite that simple, but there's a lot to be said that Indiana will come up, and, and Tom Allen is a motivational type guy as a coach. I expect Indiana to be ready to do whatever it can to, to make a game of it come Saturday afternoon. For sure. Obviously, pride on the line, but for Purdue, bowl impl- implications on the line. We've already clinched a bowl, but what, what does this game mean for bowl implications as far as a better bowl for Purdue? Well, I think anything is possible in terms of, uh, and again, after the, after the college football playoff from New York's day six, it's really the Big Ten that celebrates, sends its teams to bowls. Uh, you've read a lot, or maybe if you're paying much attention to it, that the, right now it appears Las Vegas may be the, the flavor of the month for Purdue. Uh, a battle against Arizona or a Pac-12 foe is possible. I think that game is played on December 30th in Vegas at that at their beautiful new stadium where the Raiders play. So that would be a terrific experience, kind of like going back to the Foster Farm in terms of a state-of-the-art facility and an opportunity to play that, in a place that most people like to go, and that's Las Vegas. But, you know, New York is still, uh, there's been talk about that. I suppose it's possible. Uh, you know, I didn't think that uh, that uh, the Music City was possible in 2018, so I started really thinking about it and, and finding out that Purdue was a uh, going to slither its way to that that spot you know the outback bowl on january 1st it just depends on what happens to penn state uh penn state michigan state those types of teams uh again the big 10 will slot those teams and what those bowls want Mm -hmm. and if penn state beats michigan state this week i gotta think they're gonna end up in florida uh and then you've got wisconsin and michigan state probably Wisconsin, if they get to the net to the Big Ten championship game, would end up in Pasadena. Well, that doesn't isn't guaranteed because Michigan may still end up there. So my point is, is that uh, there's still a lot to be played for. But when the pecking order comes down, 
I think that Purdue will be uh, either in New York, Las Vegas, or potentially in Phoenix, but uh, it seems to be pointing at least as of now to Las Vegas. Yeah. And whether that's anybody's guess is it is anybody's guess at this point because we don't know for sure. Wouldn't it be something if they play in New York and have two games in baseball stadiums in one yeah. season? Right. I think there's been some talk about that. And of course, that would be an ACC foe, and it's possible. Purdue's got a good fan base everywhere it goes. We saw that at the Mohegan Sun with basketball, uh, with a large fan base up there. With the, and uh, so Purdue would would bring fans to any venue it goes to. One would think, would it bring as many as uh, you know Penn State? One thing we do seem to understand is that they're not, unless we're missing something here. We've been told that uh, they basically have a five-year rule for those lower-tier bowls. In other words, it's a highly, highly unlikely that Purdue would go back to Nashville because. Purdue played in Nashville in 2018. So I don't think that's going to happen, but I think uh, any one of those other three bowls seems to me to make sense. Yeah. Talk about what this uh, late season success means for Purdue, especially moving forward with recruiting and just momentum for next season. Well, I think it means a lot just the fact that you, again, we talked about the term relevant. Purdue's had two wins over top five teams for the first time, and that's only the second time in its history, the first time since 1960. That is a big deal, especially in the 21st century world where everybody knows on the college football landscape when you beat an undefeated team like Michigan State or you beat another undefeated team in Iowa and rank second at that time, uh, everybody knows uh, you're on the the top of mind awareness. And that has not been a spot Purdue has been very much since Rondale Moore, maybe since the Ohio State game in 2018. So that all those kind of things make a big difference to to just running up uh, the value of your program, make, making more kids, uh, recruits, transfer guys. You know, don't forget that. And that's a, a, an important part, too. You've got a whole host of people, of players that uh, are sitting on the second or third team or for whatever reason at a, at a Power 5 school that are going to look at schools like Purdue because they might be able to come in and play. You know, I think it also certainly when you finish the season strong and the kind of year that Aiden O'Connell has had, you think it's very possible he will come back next year if that ends up happening. He's not a social media guy. I don't know that he'll tip his hand. I'm sure he'll look at all his options. And one of those could be in the NFL. And uh, how can you, you know, here's a guy that's a walk on that's uh, getting a look. He's been about as good as any Big Ten quarterback. I don't think he's going to make the first team. C.J. Stroud's probably going to make the first team all Big Ten, but I think Aiden O'Connell is going to finish, excuse me, get either second or third team, and deservedly so. He's been phenomenal the last four weeks. The only quarterback at Purdue dating back to Kyle Orton to go four consecutive games without throwing a pick, and Orton did that in 2004. I think now I hate to jinx Aiden, but 192 consecutive passes, and we really can't find – anybody in the history of Purdue football that can beat that record. We know the NCAA records in the 400, so he's got a ways to go for that. But uh, it's been uh, it's been an amazing run for Aiden O'Connell just in terms of consistency and play by David Bell and last week by Milton Wright uh, and Jackson Antrip. You just name a lot of folks on the offensive side. But really, too, the defense has been the story of this season. The fact that Purdue has, with the exception of the game against Ohio State, uh, has been able to slow folks and, and has been able to become relevant because it could defend. Yeah. And it did it even uh, well up at, at Wrigley Field this past weekend uh, against the Northwestern team. It's not very good offensively, but pretty did the job defensively to kind of allow its offense to get on track. 
Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you brought up Aiden O'Connell because I was going to ask you about him. And you, you mentioned the stat. That's especially impressive with the inter, uh, lack of interceptions because he did start off the season throwing quite a, a few and struggle with the turnovers. But man, yeah, he has been hot. And I was going to ask you, you know, it, do you think Aiden O'Connell is an NFL quarterback at this point? You know, and I'm uh, not the world's greatest. In fact, I'm not at all a good analyst to that. I can kind of know what I see. Um, I know that some of the Purdue coaches feel like he would get a look. And, you know, maybe he's a guy that would really benefit from another strong season. Um, and in, in college, and, you know, they always say guys who talk about Ivy and uh, that uh, when they're ready and if they're going to be a top pick, they're, it's time to go. They should go. And I would agree with that if Jade Nivey's situation continues to be the same in April as it is in November. But uh, for O'Connell, he might really be able to help himself, even though he's proven that he's done very well. He's played great. He played very well on a national stage, even in a blowout loss to Ohio State. Um, and give the offensive line some credit. They've kept him very clean for the most part. So he did get sacked a couple times by Northwestern. But uh, this is a guy that just has shown a tremendous amount of poise and he can sling it all over the place. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I would think he'd certainly get a look in the NFL camp, even if he went out this year, but he might really be able to help himself into a draft, higher draft situation. He might be if, in a position to do that if he had a great 2022 season. Yeah, for sure. Two guys that are very likely going to be playing in the NFL, possibly even next year. George Karloftis and, and uh, David Bell hate to ask this question, but I, unfortunately it's a topic that gets brought up around this time of year. Do you, you see those guys sitting out a bowl game to try to stay healthy and prep for the draft? Or do you see these guys sticking with Purdue and playing in the bowl game? That's a good question. You know, I haven't really thought of that. I thought you were going to ask, do I think they're going to go to the, to the league next year? And the answer is yes. Uh, I can't imagine a scenario that, that uh, George Karloftis wouldn't, and David Bell, I can't either. Um, even though I don't think David Bell's a first, I, I don't know. I'd be surprised if he's a first-round pick. It's possible, but certainly George Karloftis is, and it would be foolish in, in my view. I think Jeff Brown was answering this question. He'd tell you the same thing. I don't know. That's a hard call to make on that. I, I, I guess I would hope not, but that's the traditionalist in me. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that it depends maybe a little bit on what their physical situation is. Heading into that game, I think George Karloftis, from at least all indications, I'm sure he's a little beat up just because anybody is by this point in the season. But I would think I would think he would want to be play and David Bell very much the same way. Uh, knowing, but I, you know, I, I have a hard time being critical of guys that do that, even though it's not. It's disappointing to see that you know it's their livelihood down the road, and if they had concerns about their health, uh, physical ability. You know, I can I can understand it, but it would surprise me a little bit if neither one of those played. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, uh, Alan, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I want to go back to the bucket game itself. I want to hear um, just kind of your memories, maybe your first bucket game you attended. And if it's not the same answer, your favorite bucket game. Well, actually, I started going to Purdue games in 1966, but not to the bucket game. But that that. Uh, was uh, Purdue a 51 to six Purdue win in 66. But I, I did not personally, I think 1970 was my first bucket game. Otis Armstrong goes over the thousand yard mark and Purdue beats Indiana 40 to nothing. Uh, and uh, that uh, was a memorable one as well. Purdue had a several uh, good bowl bucket games over the years, but there've been some really good ones. Uh, some ones that have surprised you. I think one of the best ones was 1979 at uh, when both teams were nationally ranked, I believe, and both going to good bowls. Purdue beats Indiana in, in, in uh, Memorial Stadium 
with Mark Herman against Tim Clifford and a very good Indiana team, Lee Corso coaching the Hoosiers. 1980, a memorable one as well. Mark Herman's last game at Purdue. It took an interception by Marks and Lee Corso's son, the head coach of Indiana, catches the catches the touchdown. Indiana Corso thought, well, hey, I can't get the bucket back with a tie. So he went for two. Purdue stopped in Mike Marks' interception. That was a classic game. You know, Rod Woodson in 1986, hard to beat that one uh, when Purdue brought out the gold juries. That was an example of a game. I don't know what the line was in that game, but I think it probably was uh, close to two touchdowns, a very uh, a three-win Purdue or two-win Purdue team at the time. Uh, beats Indiana. Indiana still went to a bowl that year, but Purdue donned gold jerseys. Rod Woodson played both ways. That was memorable. 89, as we already talked about, was memorable. There's a lot of them that have been memorable. Hard to beat 2000, even though it wasn't a competitive game. I think Purdue ran the same play to Montreal Low like 27 consecutive times. They beat Indiana uh, Hanley and earned a spot in the Rose Bowl, but that celebration in the Ross 8 Stadium field was unreal if you're a Purdue person. Uh, but there have been there have been some really good ones over the years and, and some games that uh, have surprised you. Uh, but I think that one, 2004, Joe Tiller's last game, 2008, mm-hmm. a 62-10 win. Uh, sending out Joe uh, with 62 points in his last game as the head coach at Purdue, also quite memorable. That's for sure. Yeah, 2000 was my sophomore year at Purdue, so I got to rush the field for that game. And yeah, of course, I agree with you, 2008 too, of course, Taylor's last game. So lots well, of good yeah, you had to have your, Yeah, you had to have your coat on for that one. I remember it was a very cool night, uh, but uh, on, on the stadium field uh, as darkness had fallen on ross Aid Stadium. But I don't think anybody from a Purdue perspective will ever forget that game and the fact that it clinched a, a spot and a trip to Pasadena for Purdue. For sure. I agree with you 100% on that. Awesome, Alan. Thank you for sharing those memories. And just, of course, that your insight is always on uh, this weekend's game and Purdue uh, just in general. Uh, thank you again for your time and a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yeah, I always enjoy it. Thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving to all your your listeners. Uh, it, it's it's a, something we have a lot to be thankful. One of those things is that we're playing college football this year and for the most part, it's gone extremely well from a COVID perspective, and that's uh, in a different spot than we were last year. So there's some things that uh, you have uh, have to be thankful for, and that is certainly one of them. And the fact that, Adam, that uh, we'll be playing another bucket game in ross Aid Stadium uh, will be a lot of fun this weekend. For sure. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for saying that. Yes, definitely a lot to be grateful for this year. All right, man, you take care. Boiler up. All right, thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. My right, thanks again to Alan for his – time and brilliant analysis as always all right switching gears we're going to have a little fun with the second half of this episode uh bringing in my second guest he is my best friend he is my brother his only uh fault is that he is an iu grad mayor eric bartels welcome to the podcast how you doing brother good how are you doing i'm good hey can i I don't know if i want to say thanks for having me on like your other guests do though (laughs) I don't, can I call you mayor or do I have to say mayor-elect Bartels? Well, technically you do have to say mayor-elect <laughs> until January 3rd. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, congratulations. My brother was recently elected mayor of Latrobe, Pennsylvania. So congratulations to you and yes, inauguration in January. Thank you. That's awesome, man. I'm so proud of you. Uh, I joke about the IU thing, but he is the reason he is my guest on this episode is we're Getting ready for the bucket game this weekend. Going to have a little fun doing a little brotherly and uh, college rivalry here. So it's kind of a little fun just 
to, uh, to talk about this rivalry uh, with you. So a little bit different perspective. Usually it's just Purdue uh, pro guest, but we'll, we'll, we'll let an IU grad on once. Well, appreciate it. I <laughs> hope I don't uh, uh, alienate uh, all your fans. <laughs> Well, let's talk about this game this weekend. I, I know, you know, even both of us really, but I know you said you haven't got a chance to watch a lot of them. I use not on a lot out there where you're at, especially, but uh, just from what you've gotten to see this year, I know it's kind of been a, a bummer or disappointment for them, especially being uh, ranked to start the season this year. Just kind of talk about your expectations uh, for the game this weekend. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say about my expectations. I, I guess I, I really wish I was entering this game in a position like we were last year. We had a lot of strength uh, coming in, a lot of momentum last year. It was a wild season. Uh, and so uh, we had a lot of high hopes at the start. And, of course, uh, didn't go quite like we had hoped or quite like we had expected. But, of course, this being Purdue and this being, you know, the last regular season game, all that sort of goes away for at least uh, Saturday where we can kind of pretend like we're on uh, equal footing. And maybe that's, that's rude to say. I think we are on equal footing with Purdue. I had joked with you uh, throughout the last several weeks that uh, is, even though IU wasn't living up to what we thought it would, I just really hoped that entering this game, Purdue would be ranked so that it would add all the more meaning to an IU victory once it happens. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, for sure. I mean, uh... You know, I feel like and get your opinion on this. IU at least is is playing for pride here again because it's a rivalry game. You throw records out, and as Alan and I were just talking about on the first half of this episode, you know, you can throw records out, and especially you know, IU was a team that was ranked before the season, and when we talked in our preseason preview that uh, this could have been a toss-up game, and now you know, obviously Purdue's I think a, roughly a two-point or two-touchdown favorite. Uh, you can sometimes throw those out the window when it comes to rivalry. You feel like IU has to uh, to play for pride to win this game. It's Purdue. We all you always have to win this game, and uh, if you're at IU, then at least for the the next six months, we can say, well, at least we beat Purdue. Yeah, at least we beat Purdue. That's that's what we're hoping to be able to say. I think uh, going forward, I think actually for Purdue, Purdue uh, would probably have a lot better chance on Saturday if we were ranked in the top. Five, but we're not <laughs> we do so i think that gives us an edge on <laughs> purdue right now we do we do like playing uh top five teams of course i didn't go too well against ohio state uh a week two weeks ago but um you know well for, unfortunately for purdue unfortunately for you guys uh you do have the bucket right now and unfortunately again for us you've gotten to hold it for two years now because of the unfortunate circumstances of covid last year uh for both teams uh canceled that game so you guys have held the bucket a little longer than we'd like. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll uh, take it back. That game was a thrilling two-overtime game, a 44-41 in IU's favor. I believe that game was even won in West Lafayette. I can't remember uh, correctly on that. I think so, though. But anyway, hopefully uh, things go back and produce favor for us, obviously, IU for yours. Uh, just kind of thinking back on your time either at IU or before or after, just talk about some of your favorite bucket game memories. Well, I can tell you that probably the favorite uh, that I can recall, and I hope I have my, my dates or my years correct, would be uh, the 96-97 season would have been a Purdue game 
uh, would have been my freshman year at college. And we, me and several friends drove up to Purdue for the game that year. Uh, I would assume that some of our friends uh, set us up with some tickets. I, I believe we were probably in the Purdue student section, but it seemed like there were a lot of IU fans there in that corner uh, because uh, at, IU won that game. And I think the Purdue football players sensed that we thought, as it, we were, I think, going to try to do, rush the field and rip down your goalpost. So at the end of that game, uh, all the Purdue football players ran and circled the goalpost and uh, prevented us from even even considering it. So I, I think, I mean, that's the way I remember it. Uh, who knows? Maybe it was actually in, in, in Indiana when that happened, but I don't. I don't think it was. I think we would have been wanting to rip down your goalpost. So uh, perhaps you have the records in front of you. I do. You are correct. A 33-16. You guys didn't just win that game. You won the game pretty big up in West Lafayette. Yes, 33-16 to 16 on that game. And like you mentioned, your freshman year at IU, so I guess a good way to start that rivalry off at IU. And, uh, of course, you're one of your closest friends from uh, from Hobart, uh, Joe Berger, who's a freshman at Purdue as well. So I assume that gave you a little bit of bragging rights over him there for, for a year anyway. <laughs> yeah. And another one too, I don't know if he, uh, how often he listens is uh, Michael Locklear and uh, another Purdue grad from your aviation program uh, successfully working in Cleveland. Now um, a lot of, uh, a lot of rivalry back and forth between <laughs> he and I too uh, over the years. So yeah. I would say too, I would add the sooner that we get this football game over, the sooner we can start looking forward to basketball <laughs> season. Which, uh, uh, I see uh, Purdue is uh, has a good start to their year two with uh, being ranked. Uh, we're of course looking forward to uh, what's going to happen with our uh, the new Woodson era. So, yeah, for sure, yeah. After your freshman year, of course, there was a uh, several. I'll say a several game uh, losing streak. So you never saw the bucket again after your after your <laughs> freshman year. Of course, my favorite uh, bucket memory uh, was. My sophomore year, you actually came to that game as well. I think you were a student teaching up in uh, Portage at the time. You came down for that game. Of course, that was the 2000 season, uh, the year we uh, we clinched the Rose Bowl with that game and won the Big Ten. And of course, we did rush the field and even took you there down there on the field with me. Uh, <laughs> that game, uh, one of the few IU fans in the student section that day. Uh, that's that's <laughs> definitely my, my favorite bucket memory that stands out, of course, obviously, for significant reasons. And then uh, the 2000, uh, I believe, 2008 game, of course, which was Joe Tiller's uh, last game where we won, I think, 62 to 10 in that game. So those are the, two that, the two that definitely stand out to me. Um, and I, I'm assuming, i sure you remember the 2007 game as well. That went your favor. Of course, it was the win for Hepner game uh, where Austin Starr kicked the game-winning field goal and fulfilled Terry Hepner's dream or even promise, really, to get IU to a bowl game. Uh, for the first time in a long time. So obviously a significant win for IU football in their history there in 2007. Correct. And uh, I believe that was that the year we played Oklahoma, one of the Oklahoma schools in the bowl game. Did not do well there. <laughs> Last year's bowl was, of course, disappointing as well. Uh, I can speak as a bitter IU fan who who enjoyed so much of last season to see the way that uh, Ohio State qualified for the Big Ten championship last year. I mean, of course, they're a, a stellar team, and uh, I understand why the Big Ten made the decision that it did. Wish they would have uh, 
giving IU a little bit of consideration for the unique season that we had. Yeah. Of course, we love our coach. Uh, so much energy, uh, so much excitement he brings. Um, so while we don't have a whole lot of years where we say, you know, it's great to be an IU football fan, uh, we, we did enjoy last season quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, definitely a special year for you guys last year uh, under unique cir- unique circumstances uh, with the COVID uh, uh, the COVID season going on. Uh, what for you uh, either now or even when you were in college, if it's a different answer, what did the IU Purdue rivalry mean to you? Well, I think in any sport, it's it's great that you can identify a team who is your rival. Of course, every team um, plays to win, plays to win their conference, plays to win, uh, you know, as many playoff games as they can. Uh, But there's always just that special feeling uh, when it comes to, uh, for whatever whatever the, the social history is behind that, where we establish rivalries in our communities, you know, even going back to high school where we can all name who our high school rival was just that, that special feeling of winning that game. So no matter what the season holds for you, there's always that game that just, because we put value on it, means so much more than other games. Uh, so uh, in terms of, of what it means, it, it's nice that there's just that added element to it. So if, if you know, I use season looking the way it was, uh, and we were just playing some other random team, then, you know, perhaps I wouldn't even pay attention to the score. Perhaps I wouldn't try and tune in and, and be able to watch the game. But because it's Purdue, uh, it definitely has more meaning. And, of course, um, it has meaning because they're such close schools. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about like a Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. I mean, there are two different states. Uh, they're, they aren't so close. And the fact that whether it's my brother or other close friends, so many people you personally know go to that other school. And so uh, and when you stay in contact with those people, there's, there's just that little added twist when you can beat them. <laughs> hey, did you check out the score? Uh, so uh, I think it just is, is the beauty of sport, the beauty of the spirit of competition. Uh, that drives athletes to do better at, at what they do. Yeah, for sure. I agree. That's that's good insight there. And of course, you know, we always had a, a brotherly rivalry already growing up. And then of course, once I went to uh, Purdue, cause my brother Eric older than me. Uh, so once I arrived at Purdue, you were heading into your senior year at IU, uh, uh, just kind of kicked up that, that rivalry a little bit, but at the same time, I should say, I think we became the closest we had ever been, uh, once I left for college too, that just, I think we had developed a, a special bond at that, at that point in our lives uh, that's carried through today. So I appreciate that. And we just gonna have fun with this rivalry at this point, just kind of have fun uh, jabbing each other and just in, enjoying it for what it is. Correct, correct. I also, <laughs> also kind of think, uh, you know, the rivalry itself, you know, for me too, like, I think it's more significant uh, even though we're talking about the bucket game this weekend, I think more significant in basketball just because at least, you know, from people from Indiana, I think IU, especially from the Bobby Knight era, you know, everybody was all about IU basketball. And of course, Purdue had the legend Gene Cady as well. So I think that rivalry was very much intensified during the, the night Cady 
uh, era and has continued to this day through uh, Matt Painter. And then of course the, I don't know how many coaches have you gone on since night, like 12? Uh, uh, so, I mean, that rivalry has continued now. Of course, uh, we'll see what happens with the Woodson era here uh, in basketball. Of course, Purdue is one I have actually lost uh, lost track what double digit straight games now. And we like to jab you guys and call uh, Assembly Hall Mackey South now. So, <laughs> so I, would you agree that the, the basketball seems to be more the uh, intense rivalry here in the state? I would agree uh, because we're more of a, of a basketball state, of course. Um, Purdue has had some awesome years, of course, with Drew Brees and, and as you had mentioned, you know, heading to a Rose Bowl and, and things like that. I, I would maybe guess that if there were other schools, perhaps even within the big, like in Indiana, that were big powerhouse schools besides Notre Dame, of course. Uh, but if we had more consistently stellar football teams, then we would be more of a, a football state. But uh, with, you know, Purdue and um, IU having Knight and Katie for so long heading those programs and, and both doing so well in those programs, uh, even though one of those schools didn't really ever make it to the final four, um, there were... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of language that you cancel, okay? <laughs> there were uh, certainly a, um, I think a lot more opportunities for that rivalry. Plus, yeah. they play each other twice a season, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps three if they can meet up in the Big Ten. And, and you can, I'll just jab myself before you do it that some schools have not won the Big Ten conference or uh, conference tournament yet. I uh, <laughs> use still waiting on that. Uh, so, um, uh, perhaps that adds uh, adds a little bit to it, but I think it's just you know you've got the the Hoosiers movie, you've got the the his the history of basketball in the state, uh, even if it doesn't directly relate to IU or Purdue with you know people like Larry Bird and mm -hmm. and some of the other great uh, greats that have come out of the state. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, and especially I mean, I think you and I were both agree that we, we enjoy basketball a little bit more. Um, although I, I love, 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 love college football in the fall. One of my favorite mm -hmm. times of the year, but uh, just something about uh, watching hoops, shooting hoops, uh, especially when we do that together in the driveway and things like that. Uh, just something about basketball season again. And, and I think, it, you know, I, I won't deny that it's a little easier to get excited for basketball too when you got a stellar program. Uh, of course, Purdue is up to number three in the most recent uh, rankings and you know, I know there's a lot of expectations for IU uh, and basketball this year as well. So be uh, interesting to see if that rivalry gets a little more intensified uh, this upcoming season uh, as well. So we'll see. Uh, right now, Purdue's got that winning streak to, to hold on to, and we, uh, we will hold on to that as long as we can, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Erica, Should I ask what the number is? Do you have the number? Should I, I even ask? I should know this, and I'm ashamed that I don't, but I'm – Pretty sure it's double digits now, and, and I'll let people, you know, comment on on Twitter if I'm wrong here. But I know it's I know it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, but streaks come and go, so we'll have fun with that till uh, <laughs> till the day we die. I'm sure. So, uh, anything else that you'd like to say about this rivalry as we're kind of wrapping up? I would just say uh, looking forward to the game. Uh, good luck to both teams yeah. and um, 
uh, I don't know. It's just I, I hope that the 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 spirit of sportsmanship prevails. And you know, I, I kind of teased about you know the tearing down of the goalposts, but you know, as a as a mature adult man, I would look back and say probably pretty stupid thing to uh, even uh, think about doing, but uh, and could even in a sense really ruin what the games uh, the game's supposed to be about. So. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a good one at 3.30 uh, uh, kickoff time. Uh, you know, and you mentioned, like, I've, I, as a Purdue fan who has watched his own team battle through a number of injuries, I will say I, I've actually, and I, hopefully I don't get uh, raked for this, but I actually feel bad for IU a little bit. I mean, you guys are on your possibly starting a walk-on freshman or a walk-on as a, uh, your four-string quarterback this Saturday. We've been there. So we know how you feel. So we've been there. So I, I do feel bad for you a little bit. I, I wish you guys were still ranked too. Like you said, you wish Purdue was ranked going into this game. I, I wish you guys were too. I would also just boost our resume as we're, we're already bowl eligible, but now looking to just kind of uh, improve our bowl uh, situation as well. So, and I should right. mention this to you. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, you know, as a, as a baseball fan yourself too, um, Purdue played last weekend against Northwestern up at, at Wrigley Field and that game. One of the bowls that are predicted to go to right now is the Pinstripe Bowl, uh, which I think you guys have played in before out in New York, uh, Yankee Stadium. So that would be kind of cool, uh, although I'm sure Purdue would rather play somewhere else in New York on, <laughs> at the end of December uh, to play two games inside a baseball stadium in one season. So that'd be kind of a cool little trivia uh, for you there. Yeah, a little side, little, uh, yeah, fun fact right there. So, well, as we're wrapping up, I forgot to mention this when I introduced you, but I want to make sure we get this out uh, before we uh, hang up here. Uh, this episode is going out on November 24th, which is, of course, our dad's birthday. So happy birthday to our dad. Uh, it turned 74 uh, today. So, happy birthday, dad. Yeah, for sure. We want to get that out there. So hopefully he is listening or watching this so he can get those birthday wishes. Of course, we'll miss you here in Indiana this year, Eric, uh, and uh, not doing the drumstick dash with us this year. So hopefully next year or in the near future, we'll get you back out here uh, to Indiana to do that again together, because that's always a, a fun tradition. And then one of these years, we'll have to get back to the bucket game again together. So Sounds like a plan. Awesome. Well, think, uh, send your love or send my love to your family. Uh, happy <laughs> Thanksgiving to all of you guys. And we will. Same to you. Soon. Thanks for your time, bro. Yeah. I love you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Well, you a reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.